Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Dr. Duncan Simpson, Director of Personal Development at IMG. Duncan, a big welcome to the show. Thanks, Connor. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to join the show today. Duncan, where to begin? But um, as we begin with every guest that comes on the show, begin by asking, could you please take us through your earliest sporting memory? Oh, earliest sporting memory. Um Funnily enough, I was actually born in Tanzania, in East Africa, which will probably shock a few people if you hear my accent. But um, my dad was based out there at the time, um, working out there. So I was born in Africa, and I remember playing cricket, which is also strange because I don't think he was a big cricket fan, but I remember playing cricket in the back garden um, in Africa. But then, and I did play cricket right through high school, but my my, my love is, is football or soccer and uh, tennis as well. So, But my first real memory is is cricket. Well, and as we dissected off air in detail, you're quite a big United fan too. Yeah, yeah, for, for my sins. Uh, I grew up between um, kind of Hull and York, out, out in a small town in, in East Yorkshire called Driffield. So nearest nearest city was, was probably Hull. And I did go and watch um, the Tigers a lot when I was younger. Um, they weren't great back in the day. Um, they've had some highs and lows recently. But um, yeah, it was kind of everyone, you know, we didn't have a, a big team, so everyone was either Manuel Liverpool and just kind of, you know, hitched my flag to United. And for my sins, I've, I've been a United fan ever since. And obviously, fast forward into the present day, I mean, you're currently sat right now at IMG, where you sit as Director of Personal Development. I mean, I was very fortunate last summer, um, on account of yourself and Liam, to visit the facility. It's like the Disneyland for sports in the States. Um, for those unaware, how would you professionally describe IMG anyways I mean in all intents and purposes it, it, it is a high school um, the majority of the athletes that come and train here are, are high school age um, so we have nine sports and they go you know um, it's either an AM sport or PM sport so they'll go to school either in the morning or in the afternoon and then flip flop and do their sport so they'll train for probably three or four hours a day whatever their sport is and then they'll go to school for the rest of the time and then a lot of extracurricular activities um, so it's uh, it was founded back in kind of late 70s by a legendary Hall of Fame coach Nick Bollettieri that if um, you know anything about tennis um, you'd, you'd have heard Nick's name and he found it as a tennis academy and it's really grown through that um, through that kind of starting point and um, obviously tennis is still a big sport here but we have eight others as well as tennis so um, yeah um, we're, we're very blessed to have amazing facilities but I think we're even more blessed by um, the amazing staff that we have um we managed to have some amazing people that want to work here and um are dedicated to really you know maximizing that that student athlete experience and um we have for context we have uh, about getting close to 1500 um full-time student athletes and they come from 80 plus countries and um so we have a lot of diversity on campus, which which again is is amazing and and brings a real kind of vibrant environment to the campus. So that's a kind of snapshot, but happy to follow up on any additional questions from there. Yeah, and I mean, like your role, even as director of personal development, is even highlighted by the critical age at which you're meeting these student athletes, be it young teenagers that are striving, trying to make something of themselves, not only in the sport, but in the world. I mean, how wholly encompassing would you begin to describe that role? 
Yeah, my my role's definitely evolved um, over the probably the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think we have what, what we say is four big entities on campus. So we have academics, we have the the nine sports, we have uh, student life, which is the residential um, part of the the programming where they spend a lot of time, and then um, my uh, or part of the department I work in called athletic and personal development, um, and we have about 80, 80 performance staff from. Um, you know, strength and conditioning, mental con- mental performance, sports medicine, um, uh, performance nutrition, uh, leadership, and sports science. We 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 provide those support services. So, in terms of personal development, I oversee the the leadership department and mental performance. And my role is really now is working with um, really key stakeholders across campus to identify programming that is what I'd say is in between the gaps and not necessarily just taught in academics or in, or in student life or in sport or in what we do, but anything that may be um, aimed at developing them as young people and maximizing them um, and setting them up for future success. The reality is, you know, we have some tremendous athletes, but, you know, 98% of them are going to go on to that college Um college stage and um you know maybe they'll go professional after that but they'll they'll go into college so how are we setting them up to be the best possible um people and and performers and we're really on the personal development side we're really focused on that um emphasis on developing that person that all-rounded that holistic education and making sure that when they you know leave img they're they're set up for success um so there's a lot of programming that goes on and and I'm involved in kind of um, helping to collaborate that but it's not just myself it's a we have a large committee that is uh, that involves key stakeholders from across campus that make sure that we deliver programming that try and hits on the needs of our student athletes very interesting and before we kind of visit the nuts and the bolts of the role and the day-to-day Duncan there's one there's one key thing I want to touch upon and was um we spoke off air recently had Dr. Jim Law as well on the podcast and he spoke about sport as being a great metaphor for life and one of the exercises that he brought up on the podcast has been um, planning with the end in mind. What would you like written on your tombstone, the tombstone exercise? You know, so beginning to build layers upon layers upon that purpose as to why you play the sport, as to why you play the game. I mean, would you say even working with the student athlete, a lot of the aforementioned work is made redundant without developing that sense of purpose first, even for a young teenager? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. Um, I I think, you know, the way that we look at we're we're dealing at a you know obviously the majority of our. Uh, a student body or adolescents we do have some middle school and we do have some uh, postgraduate students but most of them are, are, are adolescents um so they're just at a critical stage in life um so we're trying to develop certain skill sets and and ask them certain questions and get them to self-reflect and become more self-aware um it's not about necessarily instilling you know a certain ideology you have to do this you have to do that it's getting them to self-reflect and getting them to have a sense of understanding of who they are and what they you know um, what are their values um you know what kind of journey or what kind of path do they want to be on um and ultimately they've still got a ton of learning 
after they leave the academy. Uh, you know, I think we can all reflect back on our high school days. We probably, you know, cringe a little bit. We did, you know, we, we were all over the place. So we're, we're just trying to say, okay, how do we support them in the best way possible and equip them with the tools to then be successful? I think, I think it's a sense of purpose and asking that why of, you know, I think it's a really valuable one. It's also a big one. Um, I think, you know, sometimes we've got to work, work on some self-awareness skills with our, our young people because if they don't know who they are, asking them, you know, why they're doing it or where they want to go in life, it, it's a really big question for a 14-year-old that's just trying to get through the day-to-day training. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of programming and there's a, we're trying to be as intentional as possible. I think to go back to Jim, kind of um, sport is a metaphor for life. I, I agree with that. And also we can't, just because you, you, you're you an athlete, we can't expect that um, those life lessons are going to be, um, you, you know, you, we're going to teach the right life lessons. You can learn a lot of bad life lessons through sport. So we try and be as intentional as possible. So it's not that, hey, you, you play sport and you'll automatically get all these amazing lessons. It's about, um, we talk about it, it being taught as opposed to caught. I think in, in the past, people think you play sport and you'll learn all these, you know, valuable um, principles. And yes, I think that can happen, but how do we be as intentional as possible? And also, how do we honestly mitigate potentially some of the, the more dangerous or, or darker side of sport? Um, how do we how do we minimize some of the, those things? Because I think, you know, sport's difficult. It's not all rosy. And we're, we're also dealing with athletes that are competing at a high level and parents who at times have paid a lot of money. So there's a lot of pressure on some of our young people. So how do we make sure they're in the best place possible? Really interesting. I love that phrase, you know, taught, not caught, being very intentional about what you're actually teaching the athlete in front of you. And I think not only us as coaches, people working in the professional field too, I mean, you have a great responsibility there in terms of your working with respect to rounding that individual's development and keeping it as holistic as possible. And in many instances, most fortunately, you're beginning with the kid or you're beginning with the teenager, let's say or the adolescent, from a very, very positive foundation. Moving up the echelons, though, you spoke about the APD, the athletic, um, the athletic department at IMG being consistent of a variety of things, and most including uh, the mental conditioning department, of which you were part of before. I've heard you in previous podcasts, Duncan, speak about this concept of mental toughness before. Um, what parts of this do athletes, in your experience, find most challenging? Yeah. Um... It's a good question. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'll just probably speak anecdotally to my experience here is that, um, you know, it's a, it's not an easy environment um, that we, we have here. And you, you kind of look at the resilience research, what we try to create is that high challenge, high support. So our athletes are challenged on a daily basis, both through academics. Um, we demand a lot on the academics. We have shooting athletes every year, um, you know, going off to Ivy League schools, the Harvards, the Princetons of the world, um, taking, you know, accelerated classes, getting ready for college. So we have shooting athletes that are very dedicated to the academic piece, as well as training three, four hours a day, and then all the additional um, things that come along with that, travel and competition. 
So it's incredibly challenging. Um, and it's not an environment that's easy on, on, on young people. Um, with that, we recognize that. And we also say, okay, well, how do we put the best support network in place? And that that's everybody. That's not just APD. That's uh, uh, academic, um, you know, our academic staff, our student life staff, our sport coaches. How do we create that um really that holistic care around them if you if you kind of put the student athlete in the middle and put all the all the support stuff around them it, it would be quite mind-blowing the, the number of touch points they have with people that are trying to support them so it's high challenge high support so with our young people and getting back to kind of mental toughness it's understanding that this environment is is difficult and um when you sign up that's 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 part of it but also what we want with our student athletes is you have this amazing support network. How do you, how do you make the best of it? And sometimes we have to reach out and reach across the aisle and connect with them and really encourage them to go see their academic advisor, go see their doll mentor or go see, you know, uh, psychological services, whoever they may need to see to get that additional support. We have to do that. And also the student athlete has to learn how to, seek out support and ask questions because there's a lot there's a lot available um so it's them understanding that the other thing that i talk a lot with our student athletes is that for most high school athletes uh, you know probably across the us i'll speak to the us is you know there's a you, you really want to belong um and that i think that's an inherent human trait that we want to be part of a group we want to belong and um that's natural as well as while belonging may also not get you where you want to go. So if you want to be a professional tennis player and your peer group is really good at tennis, but they're not trying to be professional, that's going to be you, you, belonging to that group and doing the things that they do is not going to get you to where you want to go. So it's actually fighting against that natural sense of wanting to belong and um, kind of be one of the crowd and, and be a normal high school student that's maybe not going to hit some of the dreams that some of our student athletes have. Now, the majority want to just be, I say want to be college athletes. That's an incredible success over here, but they, they haven't necessarily got aspirations to be professional. So it's, again, understanding for us as support staff, understanding what journey that athlete's on. Some, some it, sport is not the most important thing academics is. For some, being a college athlete is the most, most important, and some it's pro. So... What is that journey and how do we how do we make sure that we align our support services with their goals and, and make sure we give them every opportunity to be successful? And then ultimately from the mental toughness side, it's can they can they execute their part? Can they do what they're that they need to do to hit those goals? Um and, and there's some times where you have to have some, you know, tough conversations with, with student athletes around they're not doing what they need to do based on what you said your goals were. And that's that's just part of the journey, um, and that, that's like let's make sure that we support them in the right way. And where most commonly, Duncan, do athletes become stuck? It's a great question. Um, I think, and I've probably had this, and and probably most most um, most people listening, if you, if you started playing sport at any time in your in your childhood, you. I think you automatically have that desire to be a professional and um, 
that's a that's a dream that I'd say a lot of our students come to IMG with that dream of I, I want to be a professional X, you know, whatever the sport is. And at some point through peer comparison, through level of competition, you you kind of make some of that evaluation yourself. Like, I want to be a professional, but I'm not I'm not even the best person on my high school team, whether it's soccer or whatever. Actually, me going to the MLS and me playing in the Premier League, that, that's going to be really difficult if I'm not the best player at my level. So when you come to the academy, it's almost certain you look around and there's going to be people that are better than you. So that's where athletes get stuck. I'd probably say that I think there's a there's a, a genuine and a and a really useful um, being naive at a young young age because you don't know you don't know what it takes. But I think through this process that probably say like 15, 16 and your body started to develop and you're like, okay, like I'm not as good as I thought I was or it's going to take so much further. It's going to take so much more to get me to where I need to go. And I think athletes around that kind of 16 age kind of get a little bit stuck. Maybe their goals shift. It's like, oh, I was going to, I always wanted to be pro and now it's, I, I want to get a college scholarship and that's fantastic that, that there's nothing wrong with that. that that's an amazing goal to have but the goals shift and it and it happens between you know that natural evolution of deselection and competition and performance and playing against other really good people at your peer group you you kind of make so you, you you're not stupid you understand where you're at um but when you're younger you don't really have that you're a bit naive and that's that's good too because we don't want to crush dreams um but at some stage, there's a reality that sets in. Really intriguing. And in many instances, what you've just described there is the athlete developing their uh, inner voice or sense of an inner voice, at least. And to hark back to what you spoke about before, about it has to be taught, not caught. You know, I, I like to think on the other side of naivety there for the young student athlete, what meets you on the other end, you know, it's it's a case of be careful of the devil you know yeah. because the devil you don't isn't as good either but you have fear and ego so on the one hand you have naivety on the other hand you have fear and ego I mean what do you teach the student athlete about both um what I try and think about is that the whole package is trying to understand um again harping back kind of Connor, and I don't know this will address your questions. We have under in the kind of the personal development realm of what some of the program I'm overseeing, we have kind of four areas that we try and focus on. And and I think if if you do your best in these four areas, then you're gonna be set up for some kind of success. So the first one is what we call performance foundation. So we try and equip them with the, the the knowledge and the skills to be able to perform consistently at this level. So mental performance, um, nutrition, um, making sure that they have the, you know, um, uh, we, we are aware of wellness, um, just making sure that they have all the, just the basic foundations. If you're not eating right, you're not sleeping, you, you, you know, mentally you're, um, you're struggling performance you can't perform consistently at high school level you're not going to get to that next level so we have a performance foundations we have character development which we can dig a little bit deeper in and that's really that sense of understanding so we have our leadership program we have advisory in school 
we have um you know programming in our student life so getting them to have a better sense of who they are and who they want to become is really around our character development we have our other pillars called social impact and that's getting them to have a that i think speaking uh, relating back to what you mentioned jim said was that having a a, a sense of a, a bigger purpose and understanding that who they are and how they can potentially impact others and understanding that they're not isolated individual they're part of a community so getting them to understand their potential impact upon the community moving forward whether it's just you know um a local boys and girls club um whether it's special olympics whether it's you know service um just community service in the local area but having them have a an understanding of the greater world which as a high school athlete's tough um because you don't you, you don't think broadly so we try and get them to think broadly and then the last one is kind of future readiness so really equipping them with what we'd say a there's some more tangible skills getting ready, like financial literacy, um, you know, resume building, interviewing skills, networking. So more tangible skills as they get prepared for college. So the future readiness part is that kind of transition into that next area. So we try and equip them with um, knowledge, skills and experiences under those four pillars. And if we can do that, then, you know, then I think we've done our job. Um as, as much as possible when they leave and that's the intentionality around the the kind of programming so i don't know if it really hits the fear in the ego but happy to kind of circle back to that no it's really it's really interesting i was going to say because if you look at building if you look at your own role it's a very holistic role because you're looking at development on and off the court or field whatever your preference for sport is and you spoke about there is visualization being one of the tools for kind of building that building that purpose really and a future planning future proofing yourself but if we're looking within the white lines now duncan i mean what would be some of the tools i suppose i'd like you to delve a little bit deeper into that aid these student athletes with their performance so from a mental performance side or from character development what which touching on, yeah touching on mental performance now yeah, so, so mental performance, we've gone through, um, you, you know, a little bit of an evolution within within our, our mental performance team. We've we've really gone to a um, a bit more of a data informed, not data driven, data informed process. So we've we've now got a valid and reliable um, youth athlete assessment on the mental performance side that we worked with some researchers, um, New Mexico State University out over here. So we've developed a um, an assessment which has gone through lots of stages but basically the five factors that we've identified that are most critical for our for our student athletes and for our high school um we haven't we haven't tested it for other contexts or other um you know nationalities but for us there's five key areas um those are confidence commitment focus handling pressure and resilience so we're, we're at a place now that uh, our student athletes take an assessment and we develop programming around those five core areas. Of course, there's a lot of strands that come out from underneath those. But if we if we believe that if we can equip them with the skills that when they leave here, that they can that they have the skills to be confident, they have the skills to focus, to handle pressure, to be committed, um, to be resilient, then we've done a pretty good job. So 
if I if I take confidence for an example as an example, it's a pretty foundational mental performance um, factor that a lot of people talk about. But a lot of people talk about confidence as a skill, and it's it's not a skill. It's really an outcome or an attribute, a characteristic. So, what are the skills that allow someone to be confident? So, confident is about uh, being and and the skills we talk about about doing. So, what skills? do we do so we talk you know goal setting visualization self-talk um performance planning evaluation body language you know we maximize those skills so if we do a good job on those as a as a byproduct we help them become more confident and and again you know with focus it will be you know pre-performance routines it'll be um, self-talk it will be imagery visualization so we're teaching we're teaching similar skills but we're directing them for a different characteristic and attribute but those are our five factors and then underneath those we teach a variety of you know pretty traditional mental skills that a lot of people will have heard about it's it's very interesting to hear about that research there um you know you're speaking about some of the sample tools which are providing athletes in previous episodes before i've heard you speak about obviously visualization has been another one what i'm most intrigued to learn more about in your own experience is there a big divergence on the tool used based on the actual sport or even age among the student athlete um i think it's it's a good question i think there's um those, those five factors that i talk about that depending upon sport and depending upon even roles within sport that you know, we believe all five, all five matter. Um, now, sport, sport will be, um, will be a variable as will where they are in their journey. So if I give an example, we're trying to figure out right now in our athlete development model, is the using the data and, and also kind of from theory is, you know, where do we teach? Where do we teach potentially some of these factors? Do we do we uh, kind of have a vertical curriculum as opposed to horizontal? Um, you know, you know, foundationally right now we're kind of thinking about how important confidence is, especially for our younger athletes, developing that sense of confidence. And if you put it at the far end, um, you know, uh, our oldest athletes, it's really when they're, they're competing at the the higher levels, it's it's that handling pressure. So. The three in between with resilience, um, focus, and commitment. We're trying to figure out some of that ordering, um, but I think it's some of it's um, honestly it, it's it's pretty logical. If you're a there's certain sports, certain positions that you just need a little more. You need to dial in a little bit more in certain areas. So if I take it, you know, a tennis player that you know I worked in tennis for a long time that for me, focus is just such a, a fundamental factor that if, if an athlete, a tennis player is not focused, they, they can be as confident as they like, but if they're not focused, they can't hit a yellow ball coming at 100 miles an hour. It's just, it's quite simple. Um, it's, it's not, you know, and again, I think, you know, probably leaning to sports I know less about, but, you know, if you, you're in a very physical sport and um, you're not you're not resilient and can't manage some of those side of things if you're a football player and you, you can't manage being being knocked down continuously and getting back up and you know handling mistakes and pressure then you know you're probably not going to be that successful so again we believe the five factors are important for all athletes but it might be a case of like okay we we 
dial it up a little more here and we, we kind of tweak it back. And and honestly, our athletes come to us not as a an empty vessel, right? They come to us as they've had life experiences, they've had, you know, competitive experiences before they've even come to us. So if we take a, you know, you know, I mentioned we have 50% international athletes. You know, you if you've been sent halfway around the world and you're living in a country um that English is not necessarily your first language and you're adapting to a new culture and you're competing over here. You know, who am I to talk to resilience? <laughs> They're incredibly resilient. Some of us young athletes, I just, um, they blow me away. Um, so resilience might not be the thing that I need to really work on, but there might be a confidence factor just because, you know, communicating with the coaches might be difficult because English isn't their first language or, you know, they came here with a certain expectation or, you know, the parents are, uh, you know, usually incredibly successful. So they've got to handle pressure of, you know, the demands that they've been put under. Some of our student athletes are, you know, um, are on financial aid. So there's a there's potentially, you know, pressure to make sure that they perform. So again, each individual, each group, each team, it's a, it's a little bit of an art and science of dialing things up and what are the areas that we need to prioritize. Very intriguing that you bring up focus because having listened to you in previous pods before, Duncan, um, I know you're quite big on it and obviously you've attuned it there to your own work in the tennis world. Um, Obviously, tennis being an individual sport, myself now in football, with countless others listening, being involved in team sports. Do you, I mean, looking at the current landscape and one eye ahead on the future, do you envisage it? being even more of a factor in terms of which we need to be really intentional as coaches training our athletes with respect to not only individual focus, but team focus and team intentions. Yeah. And it's interesting as we, you know, there's a lot of nuance to this as we went through, as we went through the the kind of um, exploratory and confirmatory factor analysis, focus was, was one of those things that basically goes across everything um, that, you know, if you're not focused, you're not, you know, you, you know you're probably making mistakes. So you, you're not confident. If, you, if you're not focused, you, you can't handle pressure because you're probably focusing on maybe you're, you're focusing on how you feel emotionally. And, you know, if you're, if you're not focused, then your resilience is, uh, you know, you're probably worrying about mistakes and what other people are thinking about you. So you're not bouncing back. So focus is one of those factors that, that really transcends and, and kind of works across all areas. So, so to parcel them out, is really is really tricky. They kind of all need to work together, but you, you you know, there's very few sports where I'm like, okay, yeah, focus, focus doesn't matter. Like focus isn't important here. Um, just because of the nature of sport, it's it's a physical, it's a physical process with a lot of cognitive load. You need to be able to direct your attention onto the things that matter the most in a given moment. And if you can't do that, it doesn't matter team or individual, then you know, you're not going to be able to hit a tennis ball, be in the right position on a soccer field, you know, catch a pass in football, you know, you know, and even even from an emotional regulation standpoint, if you're very aware of your emotions, you're internally focused, you're not necessarily dialing in to other areas. So, yeah, I mean, I harp on a lot about focus, but it's because it, I feel it transcends a lot of things. Um, but again, some of our athletes are incredible at focusing when they need to focus on certain things and then they may struggle with another area. So then it's like, okay, well, I don't need to pay as much attention there. And some athletes, 
you know it's just really anecdotal we we don't we don't track them from birth but some some athletes just have a, an amazing ability to dial in when it's important and you just see the kid they're just locked in and some athletes and you know just really struggle with that whether they're younger or older like i've worked with professionals that just struggle to to lock in you might be talking to them and they're kind of they're a little bit all over the place and that's not a criticism it's just i think there's a whole host of factors that may play into that so yeah um I'm probably waffling kind of but yeah to the importance of it i can't i, I can't say much more it, it's just absolutely foundational and again just building upon that duncan i mean there was a graphic which you shared it was approximately just over a year ago now a year and a half ago and it was about building mental strength within athletes and it listed approximately 10 points as to how athletes can build it um, listening to you speak about it on another podcast and prep for this, I was most intrigued to learn more about your answer in relation to stop listening and start talking. Yeah, I I use that a lot with our athletes as a as a way that we we can all. It's not just athletes. I think all of us we get very internal, um, and and we're constantly evaluating ourselves and we're comparing ourselves. I think that's that's probably very natural. And um, when you start really listening to that internal dialogue, which tends to be for, for, the, for a lot of people tends to be more on the negative side, especially when we start comparing and we're around other high performers um, that, that in a dialogue can be quite negative. So it's also, it, it's also that internal dialogue a little more on the subconscious side of, we're not necessarily dictating how we want to what what that voice in our head comes through as, but we can be intentional um with regards to what comes out of our mouth. And I tell that to my student athletes all the time. You know, a negative thought may pop into our heads, and um, you know, we've all experienced that those little gremlins, and that's one thing. But how do we verbalize what comes out of our mouth? It is a conscious decision. So we can choose to, you know, recognize, okay, I, I thought, you know, I had a potentially unproductive thought, you know, I was worried about X, Y, and Z, but what's, what am I going to say about it? What am I going to tell other people? Um, so I, I talked to my athletes about, you know, what, what are the things you say to yourself? Um, and then also, what, what do you say about yourself to other people? So when other people say, you know, how are you playing? And you say, oh, I played like crap. And you just leave it like, well, you know, what's, you know, how's that? Because you, you're constantly talking about yourself to other people. How is that building up? So just getting athletes to be very intentional with the things that come out of their mouths and recognizing some of the things that pop into our heads are not 100% under our control. But the more we, the more we control and the more we manage that external dialogue, the better we become. And I think, I think there's some really good cases with professional athletes. If you look at some of the very best of what do they say what what do they allow to come out of their mouths? So if you look at, you know, the likes of Roger Federer and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and Serena Williams and you know Cristiano Ronaldo, like the things that come out of their mouths, like it's almost always on that positive, on the you know affirmative, and yeah, I made a mistake, and I'm going to do this, this, and it. like everything is very intentional, and it, that's not that's not coincidence. Um, so again, again, to really be thoughtful about what comes out of their mouths. Yeah, and I think it's important to highlight to teenagers, to your student athletes, 
in terms of like, yes, humans do have that innate survival bias or that innate neg- negativity bias. What, you know, once was able to kind of heed your warning, you know, in the face of a saber-toothed tiger necessarily isn't key now to succeeding in the middle of a football field, but it is a threat detecting system and it is vitally important to have it intact. So being able to operate within that is so, so crucial. But, you know, what I'm most intrigued to learn about is a, a lot I speak about on the show. It's like, you know, the Feynman technique. If you really want to understand something for yourself, it's about teaching it to others, which you've become quite astute on, of course. Looking at it from the inverse, though, I mean, how do you apply these lessons that you've learned throughout your own career, throughout your life? Is it on a case of a daily basis? Is it a case when you have a big decision in mind? Bear in mind that you're a husband, you're a father, and you're everything else in between. Yeah, it'd probably one answer if you ask my wife versus asking me. Uh, I, I think we're all a work in progress, and you know, um, I think I've learned a lot as as my career progresses, and and I've still got a lot to learn. Make mistakes on a daily basis, you know. I know that's a cliche, but I think my um, I think one thing I've learned through time is just to to be a little bit patient and um, not rush decisions and try and understand as many perspectives as possible. Um, so I'm probably thinking, talking a little bit more of, you know, s- staff management and working with others in a performance domain is that even working as you're an athlete, it's like nobody goes out there intending to be terrible and, and intending to make mistakes and to suck. And same when staff come to work, they don't, they don't aim to make mistakes and, and underperform. I think, you know, we hire people and people come here to to be the best. Um, so when mistakes happen, it's just kind of understanding and guiding people as opposed to directing or it's guiding them and, and you know, course correcting at, at points. And sometimes I need that. I need that from from my boss that, you know, sometimes, I, hey, I might need a course correct, you, you know, the way you came across there or vice versa. And I certainly get course corrected at times at home. Um, but I think it's um, it's also... I get the opportunity and and I don't take this lightly of, you know, getting to be in some really great spaces with people who are really high performers, whether athletes, coaches, or our leadership staff on campus, or, you know, going to conferences and, you know, listening and being in rooms with people, you're like, okay, that, that person's really impressive. And you just kind of watch and listen and see how they, you know, articulate their thoughts, how they go through their, their, um, decision-making process, how they, how they think about things. And I've had the opportunity to have great mentors at work. Um, Dave Hesse used to be here. Who's, who's, um, you know, you know, someone who's really supporting me, my VP right now, Taryn Morgan. And um, again, I, I, I'd say our executive team on here on campus, like when you're in meetings with people and you, you see high performers and, and how they go through that process, it kind of, you, you have that gut check and I need to make sure I'm as prepared as possible to be in those rooms and to have those conversations. So it's a continual, continual learning experience. Um, I would say that my, uh, my mental game on the golf course isn't that great. <laughs> I, I try, but it's, uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Um, but I think just being around athletes, you, you understand and you, I think if anything, I've become more vulnerable because I've seen how difficult it is to perform whether it's high school, college, professional, it's just really difficult um, to to be a, a high-performing um, 
athlete these days and I have a lot of you know empathy and and also just a lot of admiration for those that can do it so when I get to work a professional athlete the challenges and the strain they're under it, it's incredible um so learning learning from them and also but lastly like I've had such a I've been so blessed to work with some amazing coaches here the people who've won you know one grand slams been top 10 in the world have, have have been there done it and and are doing it on the coaching level and you're just like my goodness like if you can't be around those people and learn from them then you know you, you're probably in the wrong field so for me it's kind of making sure i'm I, i'm learning every day so i can model that for my staff and then also honestly like what some of my young staff bring to work every day is incredible. Like the, the attitude and the energy and things that I can take. Oh man, hey, am, am I being a too grumpy here? Am I, you know, how am I coming across? Because they're just, they're bringing, you know, a different quality to the work environment. So again, I think the, the, the bigger, I guess, theme would be just really that growth mindset and being open-minded and recognizing you can learn from anybody. And if you, if you do that, you, you know you're, you're constantly going to improve and obviously you're involved in a very exciting field and it's one of that one of those that is you know fueled your passion and giving you a real sense of purpose duncan and someone who's involved at the cutting edge of research and someone who's involved on the front line on a day-to-day basis really in leading a strong support staff as you so eloquently elaborated upon there i mean where's your attention headed towards now i mean is there any particular field of which you're excited to learn or most about now yeah i mean i recognize there's obviously gaps in my development and and i'm working in a i'm working in a billion dollar business now so i think for me um it's really like i i I really get the 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 pleasure to work with um and and to oversee you know um Oh yeah, now probably 17, 18 coaches and um, you know, co-direct with our, my co-directors and VP 80 performance staff. So it's really how do we set up the staff for success? Because I can't impact 1,500 young people, but we can potentially impact others. And some of that is for me, it's understanding some of the business side of things, um, which I didn't necessarily I didn't go to school for, but I've learned and had to learn very quickly of how to navigate that. So if you're asking for more staff and you need to provide, you know, written proposals, you need to be able to do budgets and it's all some of the business stuff, but it's ultimately the goal is to, how do we, you know, how do we provide the best experience possible for our student athlete? Well, we need more staff. We need good staff at this level to be able to do that. So it's, it's, it's a few layers removed from the directly impacting the student athlete, but it's trying to impact them in a different way. So I'm having to learn, a variety of skill sets so that I can better empower my staff that they don't have to worry about some of the things that I have to worry about. And obviously my VP does that for me and our president does that for them. So it's that chain effect of being in a big business and understanding how all those things work. Um, so that's a constant learning. Um, so where does that, where does that lead in the future? I don't, I don't really know, but I think, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, supporting young people, um, passionate about kind of, getting in this space of personal development um, from the mental performance to the character development, you know, how do we at the academy really, really develop a system and a, and a process that 
is world leading and that we you know we can take some of our lessons and have a broader impact we're now we're now part of a bigger bigger educational company called nord anglia and so they have 85 schools across the world so you know how can we potentially impact not just the 1500 here how can we impact other schools that ultimately the goal is to develop young people so as they go off into society just become better leaders and better members of community um and i think I think education's, you know, not to get on a soapbox, but education's changing and potentially some of the fundamental things that were taught at at a high school level needs to change. And I think we need to teach our student athletes about our students about emotional intelligence. We need to equip them with resilient skills. We need to teach them, you know, mechanisms to be better at self-talk. We need to do some of these things so that when they go out into the, the real world or they go to college that they're that they're they're in a position to succeed. So think broadly, like one, we need I, I need to help as a part of a team, it's not me, part of a team, get it right on campus. And then how do we spread that impact in a broader in a broader sense to other other schools in our network? And then who knows from that? Fantastic. Uh, Duncan, I'm very inspired listening to this anyways. I'm, I'm, sad, I'm sad to say the podcast is coming to a close, but I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you speak about a range of topics and undoubtedly a lot of people are going to take value from this. But as is the closing tradition on the show, um, I'm going to ask you, what would be your one bit of advice for those wishing to thread a similar path to yourself? Oh, man. I've come a long way, can't I try? I try, I try not to give advice. I try to listen. I know again that sounds like such a such a a cliche. Um, but I think I came into this in this field, and I had so much like I gotta give, gotta give, 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 and give advice. And the more I've done it, I've been better at listening. Um, and it's still still a daily, still a daily task for me. I still want to try and have have my say, but I think I'd say is is listen. Um, and as as again cookie cutter as this might be, is ask really good questions and listen, like genuinely listen to people and get yourself in those rooms with people and and listen. And um, w- once you do that and ask good questions, I think you that learning will come. Um, and that's been that's been an evolution for me. So as opposed to telling anybody, it would be it'd be about listening and asking good questions. Fantastic. Dr. Duncan, thanks a million for coming on the show today. Well, no, thanks. Thanks for you, Connor. As I mentioned before we got on, like, you know, I think um, doing work like this and being able to to share, you know, not necessarily myself, but other guests that you've had, being able to share valuable information, um, that that's part of improving our field and um, educating people. So really appreciate the work you're doing and, and um, keep it up and if you need anything don't hesitate to reach out and if anyone needs anything you know you can send my email along it'll be linked in the show notes below thank you for the kind words no problem Connor. good speaking to you